Well, good morning, everyone. Well, my name is David. I'm the liturgist here at the church. And this morning, it's my great honor to be able to deliver the sermon on Christmas Eve. Uh, Peter and I split it up. He'll be doing the evening service uh, tonight. But I was honored with being able to uh, preach to you on this really special day. So thank you for, for letting me be up here. It's also been a dream of mine to preach a sermon in a black three-piece suit, which uh, <laughs> thank you for letting me live a dream. Also reveals that I have weird dreams. Uh, but uh, very excited to be here to preach this uh, Christmas Eve morning, to preach our fourth Sunday of Advent, uh, and to preach the fourth Sunday of our Advent series which has been called God of Rescue. Because this morning, I believe we get to the climax of the series. Uh, if you've been following along, uh, Peter started us off in the book of Exodus, where we get this story uh, that becomes so important to the identity of God's people of this time when they were in bondage in Egypt, and God came to them as a rescuer. And he delivered them out of bondage. Then we see through the history of the people of Israel how they could continually turn to that as part of God's identity. They said, remember, this is the God that led us out of Israel. When the kingdom of Israel was in trouble from enemies, they called upon their God to rescue them. While they were in exile, we saw as Peter preached there were prophecies that God would come to rescue them, send them a Messiah, a Savior. So throughout the history of God's people, there's been this theme of understanding that their God is a God of rescue. And that one day, he will send a rescuing hero to save them. And that's where we are today. Today... On Christmas Eve, as we celebrate the miracle of Christmas, we're celebrating the arrival of the great rescuing hero, the arrival of our Savior. And so when I was thinking about the meaning of that uh, in context of the sermon series, and I was looking at uh, these chapters in, early on in the Gospels that talk about the Christmas story, that talk about Jesus' birth, I landed on what's called in my Bible, uh, in the NIV, Zechariah's Song. And this is from the first chapter of Luke, when uh, the angel, Gabriel, comes to tell Zechariah that him and his wife, who are older, who have never been able to have a child, are miraculously going to, be have, a going to be have a child, and this child will be the one to prepare the way for the Savior. Now, Zechariah isn't so sure about this and tells the angel that, and you know, angels don't like to be talked back to, so he says, well, I'm not gonna let you talk until this baby's born. Uh, so, that, so nine months later, <laughs> finally, uh, John the Baptist, who is going to be Zechariah's uh, child, is born from his wife, Elizabeth, and the first words that Zechariah speaks are, a prophecy, or a celebration. And I thought that this song that he sings, this prophecy, 
that just bursts out of him is also presenting the culmination of years of waiting from God's people for a savior. So let's read it. It's in Luke chapter 1. It should be on your screens. We're going to start in verse 67. So it says, his father, so that's John the Baptist's father, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, as he's talking to John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. This passage first struck me because it seems not only does Zechariah really understand what's going on, but he also sees this as the culmination of years of his people waiting for a rescuing hero. We see that he says, this is the hero, the salvation that God promised us through his holy prophets of long ago. This is him remembering his holy covenant that he swore to his father Abraham. So this characteristic of a God of rescue that we've been tracking through the Old Testament, Zechariah realizes this is it. This is finally God keeping his promise and sending us a rescuing hero. And while I was reading this, there's something else that struck me about Zechariah, was that one of the reasons he's able to celebrate the fact that a savior is coming is because he understands his need and his people's need for rescue. He sees that he's been at the hands of enemies. He knows that his people have lived in fear, but that this Savior will enable them to serve God without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I think that it's an essential part of understanding God as a God of rescue that we understand that we need to be rescued. I think it's an essential part of sin to reject that need. To say, no, I can do it all myself. I don't need anyone to save me. But here, Zechariah knows that the most important thing in the world they all need is a savior. Now, God's been generous with me throughout my life to give me lots of reminders that I need rescue 
and that I can't do it all by myself. Uh, there's one story that came to mind of something that happened to me uh, a little while ago uh, that involved me going surfing. Now, I went uh, surfing just down here off uh, Knob Creek. Uh, so, uh, oh wait, Knob Hill, sorry, misspoke there. Knob Creek is a type of whiskey. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be getting through this holiday one way or another. Uh, by the way, Tyler, thanks for noticing that. Uh, wasn't going to get by you. Uh, so, yes, I was soberly surfing down there <laughs> off Knob Hill. Uh, and uh, it was one of those days where I looked at the surf, and it gave me pause because it was pretty big, and it was a rough day. Uh, and there's nobody out, so it was just me. And it was one of those things where I had my wetsuit on, I had my board in my hand, and I, I stopped for a moment and thought, is this a good idea? Uh, I decided that it was, uh, and I paddled out. Uh, and uh, I finally got out past the breaking waves, and then eventually something happened to me, which is I called I got caught inside, which is I got caught inside of a large set that came that broke in front of me. Uh, so there wasn't time for me to paddle over it, uh, and I couldn't uh, get around it. So this big wave was about to crash right in front of me, and uh, I had a choice. I could either hold on to my board and try to, you know, tough it out, or I could ditch my board and I could dive under the wave. And so uh, I made that choice. I jumped off my board and I dove under the wave, and of course, as luck would have it, the wave hit my board and snapped my leash, and when I came out of the water, I saw my board wash onto the shore, and there I was, out in the rough, deep water, without a board. Now, I have to pause for a moment, because there might be some of you that have a pretty good memory and have seen me preach before, and you might be saying, David, you already told us this story in one of your sermons. And that's why I have to say, unfortunately, no. This isn't the same story. <laughs> Which means this has happened to me more than once. And this actually didn't happen that much longer uh, after that sermon I gave. So here I am yet again uh, with a broken leash out in the deep water. And of course, even while I was uh, trying not to die, the, uh, impor the importance of the metaphor uh, wasn't lost on me going... <laughs> You keep doing this to yourself, David. Uh, you are always in need of rescue. Constantly. Uh, and so I was out there, and I remember that moment uh, pretty viscerally because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I was over at Knob Hill. Knob, Knob Hill, yes. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a beach break, so I wasn't that far out. So I'm like, I'll just swim in, and I start swimming in, but I'm not making any progress for some reason. Uh, and I even get to the point where I can feel the sand underneath my toes, and I get my foot down on that sand, but then I'd feel it get lifted off, and I couldn't get a grip on the ground. And meanwhile, the waves are breaking over me, and every time they break over me, it gets harder and harder to hold my breath. And so this goes on for a little while, and then I start to get worried. 
maybe a little melodramatic, but I go, is this it? Am I going to die? Uh, because I'm having trouble holding my breath. And that was the moment when I was worried that I saw walking down the beach, walking, he wasn't running, uh, a lifeguard kind of curiously looking at me. Uh, and that's when I had another choice, which is, you know, do I tough it out and get in or do I give the sign and say, I need help? Uh, and so I, I paused for a moment because this was a matter of pride. Uh, I mean, I grew up in Southern California in the water. Uh, I don't like the idea that I have to call a lifeguard over. But I swallowed my pride and I did one of these. Yeah, come on over. Uh, <laughs> And so he came in, once again, not like rushing. Uh, so he came in, uh, and uh, it was at that moment that I realized I need to admit that I, I might be in trouble here and that I need someone to rescue me. Uh, now, I, in, in all honesty, I was able to get the uh, sand under my feet, and by the time he got to me, I was standing up. Uh, so almost at that point, he's like, did I really need to come out here? But I was like, I think I needed the moral support. Uh, but uh, I had to make that choice to say, yes, I am in trouble. I can't do this myself. And that's really the theme of the entire Bible. We can't do this ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. It took a lot of books of the Old Testament, to get that message across, we can't save ourselves. We need a Savior. Paul knew this. He wrote in Ephesians, For it's by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. We can't do it ourselves. And that's okay, that's a characteristic of being human, is that you need help. And that's why we're here. We need God in our lives. Even if we think we have it all figured out. Even if we think we know the rules. I should have known the rules of what I was doing out that day when I was in the water. Do you know why I couldn't swim in? Well, the lifeguard told me. He says, do you know why you couldn't make it in? And then I kind of hung my head and I realized, I'm like, because I was in a riptide. He's like, that's right, you were in a riptide. And I'm like, he's all, do you know what you do when, you swim, when you're in a riptide? I'm like, yes. He's all, what do you do? I say, you, you don't swim, I know, you don't swim in, you swim to the side out of the riptide. And he goes, that's right. He says, you didn't do that, did you? I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, so uh, I knew the rules, but I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I can tell you other times in my life that I've done things that I knew I wasn't supposed to do. I seem to do that. Uh, I think we all do. And that's why we need somebody to help us. And that's why we're lucky, more than lucky, that we have a God who wants to help us. But like that lifeguard that saw me drowning, when God sees us drowning, what he wants to do is rescue us. He wants to hold out his hand and pull us out of the water. And today, what we are doing is we are celebrating 
the beginning of the greatest rescue mission in all of history. God saw humanity drowning. And so what he did was he sent a hero. He sent a rescuing hero. When the angel told Joseph that Mary was going to have this baby, he said, she'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. He says, what you're going to do is you're going to help raise the hero that's going to save us all. And Jesus knew his mission. We heard it in the words that were read in the lighting of the candle today. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God rescues us because he loves us. He wants to rescue us. You know, a lot of people think that Christianity is a way to get rescued from God. What a different way to understand God when we realize that no, he wants to rescue us. From death. From pain. This is our creator. A God of rescue. And we can look into the world today and understand that we need rescue. That this world needs a savior. But that's not the end of the story either. Because this story isn't just about God rescuing us. And saying, okay, sit on the beach, don't go back in the water. Stay rescued. God rescues us so that we can join the rescue mission. He saves us so that we can help save others. When you look at this story, when you look at a guy like Zechariah, an old man who thought his days of glory and action were over, finding out that he's got a new part to play, when you just sit and consider that this rescuing hero of Jesus came in the form of of a fragile little infant given to a teenage girl, we realize how much God wants us humans to be part of this. Our job isn't just to stay saved. Our job is to work with Jesus to help save others. I want to close with this uh, quote from N.T. Wright, and if you indulge me, it's a couple paragraphs long, but he, he writes it so wonderfully. He talks about the way Jesus rescues us, but he says this, and this is the theologian N.T. Wright. Jesus rescues human beings in order that through them he may rule his world in the new way he always intended. This, then, is how Jesus puts his kingdom achievement into operation, through the humans he has rescued. That's why right at the start of his public career, he called associates to share his work and then to carry it on after he had laid the foundations, particularly in his saving death. It's 
been all too easy for us to suppose that if Jesus was king of the world, he would, as it were, do the whole thing all by himself. But that was never his way. Because it was never God's way. It wasn't how creation itself was supposed to work. And Jesus' kingdom project is nothing if not the rescue and renewal of God's creation project. Nor was this simply pragmatic, as though God or Jesus wanted a bit of help, needed someone to whom certain tasks could be delegated. It has to do with something deep within the very being of God. The same thing that led him to create a world that was other than himself. One name for this something is love. Another is Trinity. Either way, deeply mysterious though it remains, we should recognize that when Jesus announced his intention to launch God's kingdom at last, he did it in a way that involved and included other human beings. God works through Jesus. Jesus works through his followers. This is not accidental. So, we end today with an invitation as we celebrate the wonderful birth of our rescuing Savior. And that invitation is, will you accept Jesus as the rescuing Savior? Both as the Savior of humanity, but also as your personal Savior. Will you say to him, I can't do it by myself. I need you. And will you agree to join the rescue mission to work with Jesus, to save your brothers and sisters, to extend that love that God has for the world to all your neighbors around you? So as we close in prayer, I invite you to contemplate the invitation we're given in this Christmas season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. We thank you that we know that when you see a world in pain, in crisis, when you see each of us individually going through hardship, not sure where our lives are headed. And that when you hear us cry out, your desire is to rescue us. And I pray for that reality to be understood in the heart of everyone here. That we are never alone. We'll never be left abandoned, but that your love will always see us and find us in the darkness and rescue us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.